It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are seconds away from hearing the daily Locked On podcast you love, but I'd like to tell you about another podcast I think you'll like. Rejecting the Screen, hosted by NBA experts Noah Kozlov and Adam Stanko, features provocative interviews with NBA stars and unique perspectives from around the game. Subscribe to Rejecting the Screen wherever you get your podcasts. Greetings, Hoops Heads. Welcome to Locked On Warriors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's Tuesday, June 19th. I'm your host, Aliko Carter. I do want to apologize for not getting a podcast out yesterday. My new job is keeping me extremely busy, and I haven't yet figured out the balance. I'm sure you all can understand. But luckily, the season is over, and all we have to worry about is all the off-season stuff, so draft stuff and... Free agency, which is all really, really exciting, and I want to be there to talk about it all, so I'm going to make sure that I do a little bit better job of organizing my time so that I can do both these wonderful things. Today we're going to talk about the draft. It's a couple of days away, so we'll spend some time on that, and then we'll go into free agency again and check out the news that's coming out surrounding free agency, all the reports and such. But we'll start with the draft You can get this podcast on iTunes, iOS, Google Play, Spotify, and LockedOnWarriors.com. You can find me on Twitter at Kojitare, K-O-G-I-T-A-R-E, or LockedOnDubs. I tweet from both accounts. You can also find us on Facebook, LockedOnNBANet and LockedOnDubs, and on Instagram at LockedOnDubs. Make sure you follow that account. You can find my information on LinkedIn, A-L-I-K-O Carter, and my written work can be found on Forbes.com. So the Locked On NBA Network is doing a mock draft, a series of shows where we unveil our picks. And today is the final day. The Warriors have the 28th pick. And with that pick, I chose Grayson Allen. Golden State of Mind had a really good piece on Allen written by Charlie Stanton and published yesterday. And, uh, you know, it talks about Allen being a really polarizing guy. Basketball lovers view Grayson Allen as the Lucifer of round ball, apparently. Uh, And uh, certainly left the NCAA with a legacy. Um, Partly a legacy of looking like Ted Cruz, which is, you know, not ideal. But uh, he's a really fit, very tall Ted Cruz, so we'll take him. Allen is a four-year te- uh, four-year player at Duke, so he's battle-tested uh, and played as a combo guard. He's 6'4 and can probably guard multiple positions. He's 6'4 and he's jacked. Uh, so, you know, that that's helpful, not being able to move him, um, not being able to just kind of push him around like they try to do with Steph, like they've tried to do with um, Ian Clark in the past, Quinn Cook. You can't move Grayson Allen like that. And like Clay Thompson, he doesn't get tired very easily. So if he does get good minutes this season, a la Jordan Bell, you won't see him tire out. 
Um, and his shooting ability will help keep him on the court as well. The problem is Grayson Allen has uh, character issues that hopefully would be smoothed out by playing with the Warriors. But there's uh, well-documented moments, and this is from the Golden State of Mind piece of Allen tripping opponents, losing his cool. People think he's dirty. And um, at times, he was. They're a reflection of something, and the Warriors brass just have to decide if they're a reflection of his intensity and competitiveness or if it's really about immaturity. Um, he's going to have to mature to have a successful NBA career. The Warriors have also worked out Georgia Tech's Josh Okogie, as well as Arizona's Raw Alkins and a bunch of others in different groups, and they have more to work out today. They did a workout yesterday, and so they're looking at everyone they possibly can. Seton Hall's Angel Delgado has the Warriors and Sixers coming up, and the Warriors did work out Ty Odiase from UIC and Nuni Omut from Baylor. Famously, LiAngelo Ball worked out with the Warriors. He said he feels like he's going to get drafted, but if he doesn't, he's willing to do the G League thing. He's willing to go to Summer League and do everything he needs to do to get in the NBA. Saying all the right things. Yesterday, the Warriors worked out Jeffrey Carroll from OK State, Xavier Cooks from Winthrop, Ben Emilogu from SMU, Melvin Frazier from Tulane, Terry Larrier from Khan. UConn, and William Lee from UAB. A lot of a mix of players there, mostly combo guards. Uh, everyone between 6'6 and 6'9, exactly the archetype that the Warriors are looking for. Also, Hayden Dalton from my Wyoming is having a pre-draft workout with the Doves. He averaged nearly 18 points and two and a half three-pointers, along with 7.8 rebounds for Wyoming last year. He's also worked out with the Lakers, Kings, Nuggets, and Raptors. But my money's on Grayson Allen because the Warriors need shooting more than anything. They need shooting off the bench. Uh, it really bit them in the butt on a number of occasions this season, just not having players who could reliably knock down a three-pointer, create their own three-pointer, or come around a screen, or, uh, you know, just be open, catch-and-shoot situations, and just knock it down. The only player who was a facsimile of that off the bench was Nick Young, and he was hot and cold. Um, he also needed to create his own shot a lot of the times, it was very rare that Nick Young got the ball and just shot the ball, catch, shoot. Uh, it's more like catch, you know, pump fake, slide over, um, it, all this stuff that I guess Young needs to get set up for his usually ridiculous looking shot. But what the Warriors need is just a simple, you know, white guy, catch and shoot, knock him down kind of guy. I think with Grayson's attitude problems, uh, honestly, Draymond Green would be a good mentor for him uh, because there, and, and Zaza, because there's ways to channel that. If you're going to be a little dirty, you know, there are ways to do it without looking like a complete asshole. And uh, Draymond and Zaza kind of know. I mean, they've, they've both come off as assholes in their careers multiple times, but they're also respected 
for what they do on the court and their asshole-ish tendencies don't dominate the conversation about them. That's the point where Grayson Allen needs to get if he's going to be a successful NBA basketball player. And that's the end of this segment. I'll catch you on the other side. Is there anything more craveable than the smell of McDonald's fries? If someone's hiding an order of fries, they're never hiding it well. It takes one whiff to trigger a fry craving that will only be satisfied the McDonald's way. So stand up if you would like to taste the smell of a McDonald's fry right now. Did you just stand? Because if you did, then you earned yourself a trip to the McDonald's drive-thru for your own steamy carton of crispy golden goodness. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Support for this podcast comes from CDW and Hewlett Packard Enterprise. At CDW, we get modern servers need to be flexible, flexible, scalable, and predictable. I predicted you'd say that. Okay, what will I say next? Probably something about server security. Impressive and freaky. CDW can implement secure Hewlett-Packard Enterprise Gen 10 servers that improve speed and performance while reducing costs. While reducing costs. See, predictable. IT orchestration by CDW. People who get it. I predict a web address. CDW.com slash HPE. I'm in your mind, man. We're back. We're talking dubs and free agency. And there's a good piece on Bleacher Report about whether or not the Warriors would choose Thompson or Green if forced to pick between the two. It says the choice is clear, but it takes its time getting to who that choice would be. Uh, Clay Thompson reportedly looking for, uh, you know, not a team-friendly deal, but looking to get paid. And of course, Draymond would be eligible for the Supermax next year if he makes an all-NBA team or wins DPOY. And so contract year Draymond. We've never seen contract year Draymond before. It's going to be interesting to see how he busts it out uh, because... As I've said in the past, he has been playing this year up until the playoffs at about 75%. And I don't think we'll see that again next year, considering in 2020, he could potentially sign a deal worth $230 million over the course of five years. That deal would pay him $52 million in 2024-25, his age 34 year. Thompson, conversely, can sign a max contract worth 187.920 and that would pay him in 2023-24 I think that Clay is going to age better than Draymond uh, and the shooting gift is never going to go away. Now Draymond's ability to defend is not 100% predicated on his athleticism. He's so good with his mind at knowing where he needs to be and the orders that he barks out there on the court, those intangibles, they can't really be quantified. But the question the article posits is, would you rather pay a 34-year-old green roughly 45 or $52 million in 24-25 or a 33-year-old Thompson, about $43 million in 23-24. If it were up to me, I'd go with Thompson. Uh, that's, that's a really, really, really tough choice. Um, and th- it's a choice, luckily, the Warriors don't have to face right now. But this article does a pretty good job of projecting value into the future. 
So using uh, 538's Carmelo projections, uh, and 538 is amazing. If you don't visit 538, you should. The Carmelo projection system values Thompson much less than it does Green. Green's plus minus in 2021 is expected to be 5.4, and that estimated value is 52.2 million. By the time 2425 rolls around, Green will be 34 years old. His plus minus is projected at 3.2, and the estimated value of that is 31.1 million. So total, his estimated value over the five-year life of this contract per Carmelo is $200 million. Thompson, <clears throat> on the other hand, is not loved. It ranks him as an average starter, Carmelo that is, uh, and his plus minus and yearly values don't break one. As a matter of fact, in 2022-23 and 2023-24, when Thompson will be 32 and 33 respectively, Carmelo has him as a minus, minus 0.1 and minus 0.3. And in total, that value is about the, the value of his current contract, but four years, five years instead of four years, it's got him at $72 million. Um, we know Clay Thompson is worth more than $72 million over five years. We just, we know that, and Carmelo is not giving him the benefit of the doubt. The article calls paying Thompson an overpay of about $116 million. But this is where, you know, I look at these metrics and I say the metrics don't make um, decisions for me. They don't make decisions for the brass. Um, <clears throat> this article prefers green because it doesn't seem like as much of an overpay based on Carmelo. Um, and it says green is the obvious answer. Using only the time test, Thompson seems he could play into his 40s. Running off screens and shooting three-pointers don't result in much bodily wear. His shooting skills cannot be understated, and he doesn't have to do much of the proverbial dirty work. But he is assigned to the lead guard matchup on a nightly basis and has accumulated 10,000 minutes over the last three seasons, playoffs included. Green, an undersized big at 6'7", bashes with true big men in the post and relies more on brute force than skill. This could mean he will erode faster than a perimeter player like Thompson. That said, Green is still skilled. His defensive game, on ball one through five, off ball and leadership are second to none in the NBA. He also has is a valuable playmaker and role man, and even his shooting as a center is above average. He's accumulated 9,857 minutes over the last three seasons, including the playoffs. While Green's minutes will probably make a higher impact, those miles on the odometer add up. Either way, the Hamptons Five will be together this year. And if Thompson does sign with the Warriors next summer, 2019, then the Hamptons Five will be together for yet another year. And that is unless the Warriors decide to move Andre Iguodala, uh, because he is making $14 million a year. That's a lot. He provides so much to this team. But minutes-wise, a lot of people who play 20, 25 minutes a game are not making what Andre is making. So there is definitely a consideration there. Do they want to move Andre? Creates cap space to be able to sign both Draymond and Klay Thompson in the future. We'll never know. Until we know. Break time. 
Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I'm making you old-fashioned today with Wild Turkey Bourbon 101. It just really stands up very well in a classic cocktail like the old-fashioned. It has that perfect boldness. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, America, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Today, every answer matters more than ever before. Because whether it's about health, deliveries, or finance, some things just can't wait. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage millions of calls, texts, and chats with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to help your customers find the answers they need faster, no matter the industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant to learn more. Another piece on BR, this one centers around Nate Robinson and is special because Nate came out as someone who deals with depression. He's battling some demons and trying to get back into the NBA. He's going to play in the Drew League uh, and the Big Three in hopes of securing a training camp invite from some NBA team. But maturity is always a question. It's funny Uh, You know, this article goes through stories. The article is titled Nate Robinson Battles Inner Demons in Quest for NBA Return. Uh, Talks about how he used to just have antics like he and Eddie Curry uh, destroyed the the shower room, clogged the showers uh, after a game one time for the Knicks. And um, a little bit of, you know, I mean, he used to make fun of coaches behind their backs, you know, and and stuff like that and you know he just was a was a kid out there on the court and, you know he talks about how he was so excited to be in the NBA he just wanted all of his boys all of his friends to know that he was there i can relate to that but it was apparently really hard for him to keep hearing contrary things about him from coaches, you need to change, you need to do this, you need to do that. And from his father and Kevin Garnett, guys like that, who constantly build him up. And so he ended up in a in a space, a, 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 in a bad way, and uh, started going to therapy during the 2012-2013 season when he was playing for the Chicago Bulls. And he basically said, the NBA gave me my depression. I've never been a depressed person in my life. And Thompson's therapy apparently was very necessary when he was playing with, he opened up about playing with Larry Brown, who referred to him daily, uh, apparently, as the little shit, um, which is not very nice. Uh, Robinson came into Brown's office crying and telling his coach to stop demeaning him. And 10 minutes later, in front of the team, Brown called Robinson the little shit again and shared that he had cried. Um, Brown, to his credit, said, I don't have any re- re- uh, recollection. I don't know what I called him, to be honest with you. If I did that, shame on me. I would feel terrible about that. That's not who I am, but I don't want to dispute Nate. Interesting. A very non-answer from Larry Brown. But, you know, honestly, we know Larry Brown. He is not always the nicest guy. Um, and it would not surprise me if that is indeed what went down. So in therapy, Nate was trying to figure out what he was doing wrong. 
He says, the hardest thing in my whole life of my 34 years in existence on earth was dealing with 11 years in the NBA of trying to be somebody that NBA coaches want me to be. So Nate tried to shift his habits. Um, He followed the advice of teammate Ray Allen in Boston, recommended a disciplined routine of self-maintenance and reflection. Of course, Ray Allen would recommend a disciplined routine. Um, So the two would run three miles together before practice. Robinson began keeping a journal uh, and, you know, that helped him get his feelings out. Um, And then when he went to the Bulls, he began sitting in the front of the plane so he couldn't be tempted to crack jokes. He'd show up an hour early to meetings. He'd stay an hour after practice to get up shots. He wanted people to know he was dependable, says Boozer, Carlos Boozer, one of his very good friends. But... Robinson bounced to three more teams. He says now NBA players are celebrated for stuff that he would have been criticized for, Uh, like the the rap beef in Los Angeles between Lonzo Ball and Kyle Kuzma. You know, that that is something that's just like, oh, the baby Lakers, you know, they're having a good time and and whatever there. But if Nate had done that in 2008, had a rap beef. Uh, you know, all over, well, I guess Twitter wasn't really a thing in 2008, but you know what I'm saying. Um, it would have been thuggish. It would have been, you know, inappropriate. Um, it would have been a lot of things. And he swears he'd still be in the league if he was 6'5". There is a little bit of, of height-ism there, maybe. You know, as a short man myself, I can I can relate to that. You know, short people are less likely to get drinks at a bar they're less they get tipped less when they work in the service industry um they're just not seen as successful as their taller counterparts this is uh this is from studies this is like science um and so a nate a six five nate robinson uh who would you know be doing all the antics that five nine nate robinson would have been doing uh you know he might still be in the league but also being 5'9 has its limitations. I mean, defense is harder to play when you're 5'9. Uh, and, you know, all of these other things. He might be able to jump through the roof, but, you know, if he was 6'5, he'd still be in the NBA. That has nothing, uh, that has as much to do with um, his ability to play basketball as it does his uh, inability to, to you know, not crack jokes, not play pranks and stuff like that but nate wants to come back to the nba he's 34 years old he's living in seattle with his three sons and daughter who he clearly loves and um he's making moves and i just want to say you know good for him for getting the help he felt that he needed going to therapy i would recommend therapy to anybody who's needing to answer some questions in their lives Uh, And, um, you know, that he was honest with himself about being depressed, being, you know, not in the best way. And um, it hopefully will make him a better basketball player and allow him to get on a team. Uh, But that's our show for today. I'll I'll, uh, try to get out another episode this evening to make up for the episode that I did not record yesterday. Stay tuned for that and stay thoughtful, Hoops Heads.
San Jose Sharks hockey is back, and we've got you covered five days a week at Locked On Sharks. I'm Kyle Demetrius. I'm J.D. Young. I'm Eric Fowle. Together, we make sure you're never without your Sharks programming. Will the Sharks make a trade for a right winger? We got you covered. Will Eric Carlson's groin hold up for the entire season? We've got you covered. Whatever happens with Team Teal every day, we've got you covered at Locked On Sharks five days a week on the Locked On Podcast Network. This is Josh Lloyd, the host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast, the number one fantasy basketball podcast in the world. If you're looking for information regarding fantasy basketball, recaps of the NBA, this is the show for you. We are heading into the offseason and starting to get ready for the 2020-2021 fantasy season. We'll have all the information on what happens through the rest of the playoffs, free agency, the NBA draft, and then heading into a big 2021 season. So make sure you're checking out the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast.